I'm Cam. I'm Casey. And we would be hanging out a lot this summer. But are unfortunately separated by quarantine. He's in Maryland. And he's in New Mexico. So we figured we'd start planning the road trip now. Every week we'll pitch a song to create the perfect road trip playlist. And probably veer off topic quite a bit. So this is Cam and Casey across the country. <laughs> All right. Good night. How's it going? How's it? <laughs> so I'm pretty sleepy. Actually, I'm not even sleepy, just kind of slow, you know, like lethargic, which is oh, probably yeah, good yeah. For, the, for this episode. It's that kind of episode for sure. Yeah, it's like... What is our episode, speaking of this episode? <laughs> what is the know, episode? Like, no, let's get into it. Today's segues. episode... <laughs> that's That should be the, our next show, Horrible Segways. That's a good one. Jesus, that's the only consistent thing we have in this podcast. Oh, I one, know. we talk about songs, two, horrible segues. <laughs> um, but this week... We, uh, I feel like we've been dancing around the topic for far too long. I feel like we can fully indulge in our old sad boy days and sad boy days of ye old times. And so today's episode is specifically the gut punch. So it's those lyrics or those moments in songs, or maybe just the song as a whole that really like hit you hard. You're like, Oh oh my God. So that's, that's today's episode. I'm looking forward to it. And I feel like we should, we should take them because I feel like, a few years ago, like we embraced that title. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. We've, and I'm, you know, I'd say quite healthily kind of drifted away <laughs> from that mindset of being like, yeah, that's an acceptable thing to just go around claiming yeah. to be all the time. Because <laughs> that's, yeah. you know, <laughs> that's not okay to just be like 24 seven. I'm sad. <laughs> Maybe this is too early to get into it within the first three minutes of the podcast. But the, I, I've kind of like come to the realization that everybody like anybody in the world kind of has like certain toxic traits or toxic tropes that they can like easily fall into if they're not careful. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's not something that's like necessarily a fault to you or to anybody in particular, but it's like, we all kind of have that level of like just a heightened version of what we're already like projecting. And the whole like sad boy uh, ego thing is 100% mine that like in oh, high school, yeah. High school was kind of like a rejection of the super like optimistic charismatic thing that I've been doing forever, which I think is a more natural state that I would prefer to be in. <laughs> um and the whole sad boy thing was like a rejection of it being like I got to figure out who I am and that was not a positive look on me. Um still recovering. It was uh yes, still actively trying to I am a <laughs> I'm a recovering sad boy. Because I think it's, like, also – it's a it's a damn good thing to, like, be in touch with your emotions, especially for, like, men that it's, like, relatively frowned upon to to not be emotional. But taking it to the extreme, I think, is where where I definitely lost uh, – ver- like, a lost kind of a sense of myself for sure. Right. That's where the – that's where the, you got to draw the line. Like, everyone's allowed – like, you can just be in your feels <laughs> – sometimes like that's acceptable in fact encouraged because most people just stuff that down but to do it consistently for like a year and just make that your persona is problematic (laughs) yeah it's your whole thing like a healthy state of being if that's your whole deal it's just i'm sad yeah because you can also like so easily project it onto other people um and you can get to the point the like the most toxic thing is like being like i'm sad it's because of this person or this thing it's like latching your emotions like obviously other people and other things like have um impact on your emotions but it's if you're like 
hey, this one thing is the thing that's causing me to be sad. It's like that. You you're like you fall over the edge. Like I definitely exactly. was like I feel like for like half of high school, I was like hanging on to the cliff with one pinky. <laughs> like I was like <laughs> so close to falling over the edge and tripped a couple tripped up a couple times, but like yeah, that's not a good place to be in. Because also none of this is like a rejection of being sad because that's really important. And it's a really important. No, emotion. not at all. I definitely found myself like glorifying it, being like, I'm sad and that's cool. You know what I mean? Or like that's oh, definitely a new personality trait or that's something that like I should be flaunting. And not to say that you should be suppressing it or hiding it, but like it is definitely not something to be uh, like show offy about or really embrace as being like, this is a good thing. I'm going to hold on to it, romanticize it forever. <laughs> that's not good. Yeah, very unhealthy attitude and very unhealthy way to live your life. But with that being said, we're going <laughs> to talk about gut punchers today. <laughs> yeah, these are the songs that exemplify that. The What's funny, though, is neither of my songs uh, are about relationships. So I that definitely is like a genre that hits home for me. But like the things, honestly, I think the songs that hit harder for me are ones that are um, uh, melancholy emotions that you wouldn't that aren't like as expressed nearly as often um so like people that aren't romantic partners because so like 95 percent of songs ever are romantic partners and half of those are breakups or whatever so these are the ones that kind of hit home for me because they're not things that are talked about as often and there are certain lines or certain moments that that really got me so the first one is going to become as uh not much of a surprise because i already mentioned it last week uh already spoiled it a little bit so this one is just like the first time I heard it, I like wept. <laughs> oh damn! Okay, it, heavy hitter to start with <laughs> because initially because it's a cover of a song that. Oh okay, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, it's actually both my songs this week are covers. I'm gonna do a little audible and do another cover anyway. Okay. Um, but this one is a cover of a song that she had already written about a romantic partner, and she turns the production of it into a lullaby for her daughter. Um, who had just been born, which absolutely kills me. Um, so that's uh, this is a thousand years parentheses lullaby by Christina Perry. I have died every day waiting for you, darling. Don't be afraid. I loved you for a thousand years. I love you for a thousand. We just started, and I'm misty. Dude, it's I'm heavy because it's like the 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 album is called Songs for Carmela because that's her daughter. And I said this while we were while we were listening to it already, but it's both to her daughter telling her how she's like how she might be growing up and also like about herself to her daughter. And just the whole notion of like, I mean, people think about even if you're not somebody who wants kids or that's even in like the realm of possibility in the near future. It's like everyone kind of thinks about like, oh, what would I be as a parent? Or you just think about your own parents. And just like definitely getting older, it's like the concept of parenthood isn't nearly as far off as it used to be or like as abstract as it used to be. And the whole thing of like, I've loved you for a thousand years talking about an unnamed daughter that now exists is like, oh my God, it's heart-wrenching. And it's nice that it's a positive heart-wrench. but yeah, this song hits hits hard. This one hits me hard. 
it's crazy to me how much cert like sad i'm gonna go i'm gonna just say sad because the example i'm gonna bring up in a little bit but like how sad situations around kids from like a parent's point of view can still hit and feel very emotional despite not having the like empathetic feelings of being a parent yeah like one of the reasons arrival is one of my favorite movies is because the big reveal at the end when you figure out what's finally been happening throughout the movie like that was like speaking of gut punches like that's one of the most gut punching endings to a movie i think is like i have no idea i can't even rationalize what it's like being a parent and having kids like that shit hurted still oh my god that was crazy i was like i couldn't imagine going through that and I, ha- I don't even, I can't even begin to empathize because I'm still, I was like 17 when I watched that movie. Okay, tell me if I'm wrong. This is, I don't think this is a hot take. This is just an, uh, an opinion that I've formed. Okay. I kind of believe that as like growing up, like becoming an adult, your parents are the last people that you gain empathy for. Like in a, in a really strong sense of understanding who they, like where they're coming from. Not like, because obviously right. you love your parents and like, you can empathize, sympathize with them when they're feeling sad or feeling angry or whatever. But like fully understanding what it is to like parent a kid and parent somebody and like realizing that they have had lives far before you or have mm-hmm. lives far, not after, but you know what I mean? Like after raising you. Oh, right. Yeah. And like you also have such a strong sense of, um, and this obviously isn't uh, like a, a monolith across the board for every parent and child. Obviously, there's a lot of different like filial relationships. But I've at least found for myself, it's like you have such a strong or such strong emotions tied to your relate to your relationship with your parents. So like they might get mad at you or they might tell you not to do something. You get mad at them so strongly because like you're a kid, you're growing up and you're like upset about it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's right. so hard to distance yourself from those emotions. And definitely like post-college getting to like really talk to my parents like as people um and almost like not almost like as friends and not uh as like a a whole parenting deal or like them trying to tell me what to do has definitely like upped my level of empathy and i think my parents because i have a very close relationship with my parents are like two of the people um that i have recently gained a much stronger empathy for that I hadn't had in the past where I have had empathy for a lot of other people. Um, but mm-hmm. it's really hard to distance yourself from those like visceral childhood emotions because they're so attached to your parents. And that kind of goes along with what we had talked about earlier in this episode where you're like tying your emotions to certain people. Um, the mm-hmm. hardest ones to strip away, I feel like are with your parents. It's harder for them because you almost never just see them as people. Yeah. Like everyone else, like when when you make friends, for example, you always see them as people, as a person before you develop a connection or relationship with them. Right. But with their parents, it's, it's totally different. Like there's no choice. It's not like, all right, go pick out your mom and dad or, you mm-hmm. know, whoever your parents. It's like from the moment you exist, like they're kind of like an authoritative entity totally. that is way more powerful and separated from just any other people like no one has the same kind of connection as they do and i think that's part of why it takes so long and realistically probably your whole life to like fully grasp that like empathetic connection to like see what they went through i mean i don't think that you can fully fully grasp it until 
you have kids or have a similar relationship to that. Mm -hmm. But like, and even any other family member, it's similar for siblings because you don't, because you have such a close bond with them. But it's a little bit different because any other family member doesn't really have to tell you what to do or it's like not as strong of a thing. Um, A lot of family members, including like many of my own family members are like, when you're younger, it's like, hey, don't do that, do this, whatever. Mm-hmm. But right. that's like a limited amount of time. And you, I feel like they, but like your parents are, they're telling you what to, telling you what to do 24-7. It's like they're God for a very long time. And so stepping back and realizing that like, oh, they were probably figuring this shit out uh, in the same way that I was. Like I'm developing as a mm-hmm. child. Yeah. They're developing as parents. They've never parented anybody before. Or if they have a second kid, third kid, they've never parented a second or third kid before. So like, I've really kind of been drawn to media now that talks about it from like the parent's perspective, because for so long, I feel like the idea of a parent just only exists in the mind of a kid and like the authoritarian view of it and not the flawed person just trying to figure things out. And now I think that's somewhat changing because we're getting a lot of uh, films and and tv shows and stuff from older people's perspectives uh and not just from like teenage 20s so Mm -hmm. i really like that that's almost another sense of coming of age it's like learning how to be a parent and it's especially crazy because i haven't i mean obviously like i still won't fully understand it for like a very long time but even now thinking about like people who we've grown up with gone to school with even been friends with have the potential in the near future to become parents. Totally. And so the way we see those people versus the way like their kids would yeah, is totally different. And then taking like that mindset and applying it to like your own parents, you're mm-hmm. like, someone just views them as like a friend, you know, they're just a person, but that is not anywhere near, like we'll never have that understanding. We'll never just yeah. see them as like, they're just people. They're just a friend or something like it is completely removed from the realm of possibilities. Yeah, and I've been getting stories this quarantine of like different things that may have been like sketchy while parenting me um, <laughs> and like things that they had done that you would never know when you were younger. Right. And yeah. it's like, oh, cool. Like they were fucking up. <laughs> great. Yeah, exactly. Like not There's and not in a sense of like, oh, great. They screwed me up. But it's like, okay, they're like people. <laughs> like They're not the the end result of a person. Like they're still trying to figure things out. Yeah. The weirdest thing to me still is like learning about parental regrets because when you're growing up as a yeah. kid, you see everything your parents or even just other adults around you do is perfect. Mm-hmm. Like they have their life together. They know what they're doing. Um, and that's why they're like teaching me how to do stuff. But then hearing about, you know, years later now that we're not kids anymore and being like, oh yeah, like I messed, you know, I wish I could have done that better. It's like, whoa, whoa, whoa. But I thought, I <laughs> <laughs> I thought I thought this was perfect. I thought you know it's yeah. it's weird having that realization that everyone who influenced your life from the smallest amount to the largest amount wasn't perfect and that they're all human too and they all made mistakes too and maybe they made a mistake in regards to you or whether right. about something they taught you or something they showed you and it's weird wrapping your head around that because so many things that we take as like essential truths growing up could have been somebody's mistake yeah like we'll never know because it, it's too much of a disconnection of age but it's odd because you know so many things so many things we experience when we're younger are really taken and remembered as ultimate truths mm-hmm. and that's terrifying to think you know if like 
I have a kid and I'm showing them something and I make <laughs> oh a mistake God, and horrifying. that's what they remember. <laughs> it's like, oh my God, <laughs> like, yeah. no, don't. But that's just, that's life because I'm sure every generation before me has thought the same thing. Yeah. And, and it's now, it's up. just our turn to go through that. It's now our turn to be like, oh no, <laughs> <We're> <laughs> we not, can't, we don't have everything figured out yet, but you know, here we are, here we go. We're starting this new path. So it's, it's very hard and odd to wrap my head around that aspect. Yeah. And I think the reason this song hits me so hard is because you really like both the, the turning into the lullaby is like pretty apparent. Um, that's about her kid, but also just like the lightness but the, also the the like the nervousness in her voice throughout the entire song where it's like she really means every word that she's saying in regards to to her daughter because the original song is about stepping into a new relationship and like being scared mm-hmm. and telling the person that it's okay like w- we're gonna do this together um i've learned how to to love i i know how to na- or i don't know how to navigate this relationship we can do it together and so viewing a parenting thing as like stepping into a new relationship, basically, because it is a new relationship and saying like, I, I feel like I have to have all these things figured out and I don't, but I will still love you. is like, whew, oh, it's crazy. That's a gut punch for sure. It's a huge gut punch. The whole song is better than the original. What's what's your first gut punch? Bruh, I'm, I was cracking up in the intro when you were explaining what the topic was, because I am the 95%. That was immediately like, all right, which songs do I relate to these people? I've either had a relationship yeah, sure, before sure. or like crushed on heavily. Oh, it's fine. Oh, it's fine. And I think because those songs do have the most kind of gut punch feeling to them. I think there aren't very, oh, totally. there aren't as many things as far as like an emotional state or uh a situation I'm in that has the same kind of gut punch is like anything that relates to someone you have a crush on, like not even a deep relate, like just the crush phase where you're like, yeah, oh. fantasizing. Totally. <laughs> Ooh, I don't know which one to start off. I feel like <laughs> I should do this in chronological order. I feel like I'm gonna start. Yeah, I'll start here. I guess we can listen to the song before I get. I really get into it. Um, but yeah, my first song is uh, I gotta I gotta start this episode off with a Louis Capaldi banger. I know you already chose one. Um, a couple episodes ago but i could have chosen any lewis capaldi song for this segment honestly because mm. every song from breach and bloom i believe are the name of his oh TVs, yeah um i listened to on repeat after this incident or this time period so i could have chosen any of them but Uh-oh. this one hit especially hard um so this is someone you loved by lewis capaldi i guess i kind of like the way you know the pain now the day bleeds into nightfall and you're not here to get me through it all i let my gut down and then you about expose myself in front of our audience good thank god but yeah so this was um so me and JB had gone to see a friend. Oh. I feel like that already exposes too much Ooh. information. <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. And it was it was two friends. One of them, I mean, both of them I was obviously good friends with throughout high school and like still mm-hmm. good friends with into college. But one of them I had really liked for a while, like in high school. Yeah. And so like it was this big deal, like leading up to it, like me and JB were joking around, like, oh, is that gonna be a problem? Is that gonna be a problem? I was like, <laughs> no, of course not. Like I've I've got it under like it's been like almost a year at least six months if not almost a year since i even like last like really talked to them so i was like it's easy like i'm over like i can i'm good at this i'm like done and over with so fast forward about 
six or seven hours. Um, we've seen our friends. We've hung out with them all day. We're driving back to UMD. And I'm just this like wreck. I'm like not saying a word. JB's like, what yeah. music should I cue up? <laughs> this is the first one I get cued. And for like the next couple of hours of just driving is just nothing but Dean Lewis and Lewis Capaldi playing. This song was definitely played the most, but I was so in my bag. Um, and it's not even like the lyrics aren't as topical like it's not one of those situations where it's like oh the lyrics really speak to me right um it's just the sound of it like the the piano the, oh, it's the deep belting voice yeah oh my gosh it, ooh, it's a gut punch for sure yeah it's hard to know whether or not um like if you are already in your bag i never know the line of like okay i should i should sit in this for a little bit so i can actually like feel these emotions and when that becomes like, oh, I'm just wallowing in this, and these sad songs are only uh, emphasizing this is not helping. <laughs> it's no longer cathartic. It's the time of day kind of sways my decision on that because if I'm feeling that way, like in the afternoon, I'll put on like the gray autumn afternoons playlist where it's like kind of melancholy, but they're not sad. They're just kind of setting the tone. Dude, so I got a rainy dangerous. Sundays playlist. We're one in the so same. You, yeah, you know. Yeah. You know. <laughs> but if it's nighttime, like I would say two hours before. Because I know once I go to sleep, it's like a reset. Like typically the next morning I can wake up and like, feel better. Right. And so I'll go hard before I go to sleep. So if it's like an hour or two before I know like I'll be asleep, I'll put on the <laughs> the sad playlist. The one where it's like the heart wrenches. So I'm like, I know I'm going to feel, even if not completely better definitely better than how i'm feeling right now yeah so i'm like i'm just gonna go for it <laughs> and just enjoy it. like uh, you know quote unquote enjoy this for like in half an hour just let myself like feel that way yeah dude i don't know if i can do that anymore i used to a lot and i honestly think that like people cope in different ways um and like i think the emphasizing how i'm feeling with the music that i'm listening to usually doesn't work like I usually have to kind of like process it on my own without the help of like other things like I'll if I'm really mm -hmm. in my bag I'll tend to like just put on a tv show that I've already binged and just like kind of like let it sit <laughs> and like I'm just like <laughs> clearly not watching the show and I've actually gotten to this point recently where because I think I'm like re I would hope uh, I'm like relatively past <laughs> um that stage and like a lot of how I felt in high school that's like kind of what I would do a lot in high school and now I'll like find myself either doing it or about to do it and kind of like wallow in it and it's almost become like muscle memory where it's like it's not even helping and I'm not even like in my bag really it's just like like something has set mm -hmm. me off where I'm like oh it's that like sucks reflex. yeah and it's like and it's not even anything severe it's like oh that sucks or like this makes me not happy. Like not even like sad. It's just like a minor thing. Like we were mm -hmm. supposed to have pizza for dinner and we had vegetable <laughs> stew. Like that's, oh, that's the worst dude. completely the worst. stupid or like um, <laughs> something on social media, like completely hits me and then I'll be like, okay, cool. Now it's time. And then I'll start and like, it'll be like one in the morning. I'll be like, I don't want to be doing this. Like, this sucks. It's weird how much it's like almost like searching for excuses to listen to this type of music. Oh, like yeah. It's widely understood that it's like this isn't something you just turn on mm -hmm. for the fun of it. It's like there's an expectation that you have to be in, in the mood for it. And so whenever that opportunity arises where you're like, yeah, this is justifiable. 
it's kind of yeah. sickening because it's like oh now i'm allowed to listen to this because you know whatever happened which yeah. i feel like is not healthy <laughs> i'm glad we're making our therapy sessions public yes <laughs> No, I agree with you, though. I think this <laughs> this ties back into the whole, like, uh, easy to fall into if you're not careful. Because I think there's, like, a super fine line, at least for me personally, between processing the emotions and, like, wallowing in the emotions. Mm-hmm. And so most of high school, I think, was that sort of, like, typical trope of, like, uh, white boy has never been sad before, time to be sad uh, and and make it everybody else's problem. And so now when I, like am not careful um, and like not a- not able whether it be externally or internally like to process that emotion for myself um, and with other people that's not to say that you can't like you sh- like having the support system is also very important um, but not making it their problem like making it sort of like something that's like reciprocal and, and uh, hopefully just like a positive experience for both people but like that's what what I fall into pretty easily is like mm-hmm. is just is like sitting in it and being like now it's time to do this and it's okay because I feel like this. Like that can that can be beneficial, I think, for like a day, maybe. Maybe that's maybe too long. But like that's not processing. Like that's just sitting with it. Like that's just Wallowing, letting just it letting exist. It and, yeah. It's yeah. like swimming in it. And it just becomes like then you start to to drown. You're like Bleh. one of the things that disgusts me the most about like this topic um is like I've been through situations where it is completely normal and expected that you should be sad. Mm-hmm. And I don't go to this music. I go to other things that I know will cheer me up or I try to do other things. Yeah. But if a minor inconvenience happens or like any of the other situations you talked about a few minutes ago happens, instantly I'm back on this like, oh, here we go. Now I've got my chance. But yeah. like when something actually happens where it's like, yeah, you, it's fine to be sad. It's like, nah, nowhere to be seen. I'm like, it's fine. I'm like, I don't need sad music. <laughs> but the right. minor inconveniences is when I go, it's a weird dynamic of like this middle ground between being slightly less than okay, but not so bad that something's actually happened that I find myself listening to this type of music. Right. I think, yeah. And I actually like, if we're being completely candid, I think one of the reasons that we skirted around like actually talking about sad songs for so long, we were like, oh, we're like kind of talking about it. We're not getting into it yet. Um, is because like, both of us i think fall into that toxic trait uh if we're, if we're not careful 100%. and it's also yep. still it's still fairly easy to fall into it and it's also extremely taboo i think for men to be talking about it like this and and talking about it almost in a way that's unhealthy like processing it being like oh this is unhealthy and i'm aware of it but i need to talk through it to kind of like get past that because there are coping mechanisms that we either like go to or haven't found or whatever. And it's still very taboo to, to be talking about it, even when it is healthy. And so Definitely. talking about it like this openly is like pretty difficult. And I think that's why for a lot of the episodes, like it's a, it's a topic that we're both familiar with and have wanted to talk about. Um, Cause it's a big part, I think of our upbringing, our personality and particularly our music that we've been kind of dodging for a little bit. Cause it's like, okay, we can't fully get into it or it's going to be bad, you know? Right. And so many times, like we mentioned earlier, you know, it's not common for like men to like embrace like being sad. Mm-hmm. You know, it's something that like isn't talked about. But when it's encouraged, you know, when people are like, oh, no, you should, you know, feel your emotions, like embrace it, stuff like that. I think so often but we get into this zone of overly embracing it and being like, well, you said I could be sad. 
Right. So now I'm sad, and it's also my entire personality now. Yeah, <laughs> like it's hard. it's overly embraced. Like there's a a very firm dis- difference between being open and receptive to those types of feelings and let it completely dominate your personality and who you are. And I think it wasn't really until recently that I only started switching in that yeah. direction, which is weird to say, but like, I think no, for a very great. long time, I was in that boat of like, well, I mean, y'all said I could feel stuff, right. so I'm feeling it. In so fact, I'm making I'm it your it issue. Yeah. And now you have to deal with it. Yeah, exactly. Instead of being like, well, that's, that's, that's not what anyone meant. This isn't helping anybody. <laughs> So yeah. it is hard because I would be lying if I said I didn't enjoy this music, but there's so many stereotypes and taboos about, I think, men in particular listening to this, these types of songs because mm-hmm. it's either like on the one side, and I would say the more old fashioned side, it's like, oh, you're a wimp, you're a loser for listening, you know, put stuff right. that down, put that away. Or it's so far on the other side of like, oh, hell yeah, you're a sad boy. You're one of us. That's your right. whole thing. That's who you are. And, and that can go even deeper. We need to find a middle way. Yeah, it's like, you know, right. one side one side isn't necessarily worse than the other because they're both really bad. And so finding yeah. this middle ground is a very touchy area where it's like, you know, admitting and embracing the fact that, yes, I do listen to this music. Yes, sometimes, not always, because I'm sad or because, you know, something's happened, but just because I enjoy it. But also understanding that there are times when I listen to it in unhealthy manners too. Like I <laughs> yeah. embrace it so I can feel a certain type of way or let something just sit and kind of like dominate that day or that week even depending on how bad you know the thing is so it's it is a hard difficult middle ground but i think it is important to be talked about i think it's good that we didn't just kind of skirt over and we're like oh we're not gonna do sad songs we're just happy on this podcast totally yeah and i think a lot of it comes down to the fact that like men as a whole at least in like american culture are not taught to taught any like processing coping mechanisms because there's there's no mm-hmm. embrace of it and not a right. not necessarily a positive embrace but just a just even a recognition of it um and so then when it does happen or whether it's somebody saying it's okay like quote or just it going so far that it has to be addressed it then becomes the world's problem a lot of times because of the um gender dynamics of it all becomes women's problems um and like there's nothing there's no coping mechanisms that that men have learned um to deal with it other than outlets of expression or anger or yeah like thrusting it onto other people so like Mm -hmm. it's something that's extremely difficult to talk about but it's also like talking about it like this is extremely more positive and healthy than like thrusting it onto somebody (laughs) um 100 yes because everybody has gets those ways everybody has those days is that the line everybody Bars. everybody makes mistakes everybody has those days yeah, but, yeah. but that's the whole point it's not a mistake all right next one <laughs> <laughs> Moving uh, right along. i think it's nice that like we i feel no pressure to not be candid on this where it's like i have a lot of unhealthy traits toxic things that it's like but it's okay to work through those oh, and yeah. i and i do and i do very much enjoy talking about it with you so i'm glad that we have this outlet yes sir so thank you for listening well, this is public therapy set actually it's not a therapy set. i want to make that clear you should seek professional help <laughs> this is not therapy. therapy is good for everybody um please please go to therapy just this is a healthy board. relationship we have where we can talk to each other about anything but if you actually need something you should see a professional yeah 
Um, this is a whole different realm of sad stuff that I actually don't have much experience with. So it's more of kind of like empathizing with and the, and that's something that I think is so strong about any media, but also like particularly music being able to like get a, a small window into a world from a very subjective perspective and really like being able to, to sympathize and empathize with what's going on. So this one is also a cover. I think it's actually a cover of a My Chemical Romance song. I might be wrong. Ooh, okay. But that's what I've heard. I should probably just look it up, but I'm not going to. I think I've shown you this song before. So this song is called Cancer by 21 Pilots. Ooh. And there's a specific lyric that f- kills me. All right. If you could get me a drink of water Cause my lips are chapped and faded Call my Marie. Oh, oh my god. <laughs> oh my god. That song is so heavy. Yeah, so I think that like it's such a personal view of what it is to have a terminal illness and how that affects all of your relationships and uh how you like see those relationships and how you may how other people see you. So like the I will not kiss you cuz my lips are too chapped from the chemo. It's like that's brutal. And it's not something that I have all that much experience with, so so getting a a song to like kind of embrace that in a, in a very raw, real way. Um, I, I am led to believe really gets you to kind of understand that because it's one thing to like have sadness and other kind of upsetting emotions behind like things that are, whether or not actually in your control, like kind of in your control, like even though relationships are not, solely in your control you feel like you have some sense of control over it you have your a sense Mm -hmm. of like how you can react to things um just how you can kind of interact with people so whether it's romantic or or not just relationships in general you feel like you have some control over things like that but like a terminal illness is like you have no control like it's just you have lost any sense of of your hands yeah any sense of agency and and it's some of like the worst news that you can ever receive and it's it's extremely hard to deal with and so this song is like very heavy. I think I cried the first time I heard the song too. And ju- I think the production on this is just like also very atmospheric and uh, emphasizes the themes of the song. So it's not something that I can speak on all that much. So I, I won't speak on uh, terminal illness all that much, but this song definitely gets to me for sure. Dude, it's crazy. I mean, this, this connects to your first song where it's topics that you can't relate to. I think can hit just as hard, if not harder than Mm -hmm. relatable songs. When it gets to a point where you can't even imagine how it must feel to be in that situation, I think can be worse than songs where you can be like, I'm in that situation. I know exactly what they're talking about. And it's hard because you, I say hard, it's a lot harder for them, but it's hard for like (laughs) people like us in a podcast to like talk about it because there's not much, there's no relatability to it at all. It's purely just the raw emotion that you feel when you one, hear the song and two, think about being in that situation. But there's not much to say about it because there's no empathy. It's all completely just like hypothetical in a sense. And it's kind of like, yeah, can almost make it hurt more than songs that you can relate to because it's the, it's the unknown pain. Yeah. I think the unknown is a big part of it. Cause I think when it's a, like a a song that is something that you can relate to or go through. It's either that you're somewhat past it and you can 
draw on those emotions and that can make you feel sad but you can also potentially know that you've gotten past that um, and made it out on the other end so you can really sympathize with what's going on or you're going through it and sometimes it can make you even feel better because it's a recognition of what you're going through um, and that you're not necessarily alone and so fully kind of abandoning any personal connection with it and just experiencing the emotions of what something is and so like something like an illness is yeah something that you can't imagine unless you're going through it or have or have been around somebody going through it and so Mm -hmm. you can only experience those emotions how the person is telling it just yeah in general it's just much heavier to like not know uh what that feels like and so you're only going off of the really raw real moments that are expressed in the song which this one yeah is very difficult and it's very subtle in its ways that it expresses it, which I think only enhances that you are really seeing it from that one person's perspective. And it's like, these are the small things that you would be thinking about. That's It's not really the big picture. It's extremely personal. Uh, mm-hmm. And you wouldn't even be thinking about it unless you were going through it. And you wouldn't even know to think about it. So it's a, it's a hard hitter. I also, I was right. It was My Chemical Romance. And I think their production is a lot, uh, a lot heavier, a lot faster. So this one really lets you like sit in it which is, it's a beautiful song, but it is, it is brutal. It hits, it hits hard. All right. I can't speak too much on, on terminal illness. Cause I don't know much about it. And I don't want to talk about something I don't know about. So what, what do you, what you got for your finale? My last song, this song is a lot more lighthearted. And I think mm-hmm. the topic is a little bit, t- the topic is it's fake deep. I'm going to say, because it's, it's, it's really not, but in the moment I was like, Oh yeah, this is, this is it. But this is, this song didn't, this song hit when I first heard it mm-hmm. because of how I felt towards the situation and who the song was kind of talking about. Okay. But now when I hear it, it's kind of like, damn, like that's who I was back then. Like I was like that. Yeah. But it's a sign of how much I've grown, but also a representation of how unmature I was at an age where I thought I was very mature. Oh, yeah. Um, so this is why by Bozzy. Oh, cool. Okay. I'm still on your Netflix, girl. I know you love me, even though your parents they don't fucking trust me. They probably alright though. I know I'm an asshole. No reply to all your texts, girl. I do you mad? Banger. A banger of a song, but one of the few songs where I would say I paid attention to and heavily related to the lyrics like there were times when i did kind of feel like the song was written for me or like i had written a song in Uh i I don't know it was weird it was very on the nose but at the time when i first heard this song it was very much so in the mindset i think bozzy had this mindset when he was writing it of yeah like you know that's on you i i won this breakup if you will like Uh why why are you still hanging on why are you still clinging? like i'm i'm clearly better off in this situation and at the time, I think I took that as a positive. I was like, yeah, yeah, that's like that's what it should. Like it's, you know, when things like this happen, there's a winner and a loser. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm clearly winning right now. Like <laughs> that was definitely the thought process I had back then. But like when yeah. I hear the song now, I'm just kind of like, like Jesus Christ, man, like let it go. Like, that's, <laughs> <laughs> not only is that not how any of this works, why is that what you're so focused on? Yeah. Like you're talking about two people like a bunch of emotions involved, like people who were very closely connected for a while. And, you know, like a year down the road, your biggest takeaway is, oh, I'm winning right now. 
Right. And it's just, it's, it's disappointing to think that that's where I was at. That's where I was at the time. Like that was a mindset that I fully embraced and was like, mm-hmm. yeah, this is, <laughs> this, this, makes is sense. this is it. This is it. And like now I do take a little bit of solace of being like, I, I'm not like that anymore. Like right. I feel when I hear this song, my initial reaction isn't, yes, I did it. You know, it's a little <laughs> bit more reserved than that, but it is, it, it hits me in the stomach now more so than ever did back then because it's, kind of this time capsule of who I was not very long ago either. Like we're talking maybe two years ago, Max. Mm-hmm. And as much as I love this song and this project, and I could just judge this, you know, subjectively as just a musical project that sounds really good. It just hit way too close to home to take it that way. Right. And so now every time I hear this song, it's just kind of like, as much as I enjoy this song and it is a banger, I'm always reminded of that time period. But, you know, we move, we learn, we are, we hopefully, we hopefully can take something from that and improve on ourselves and become better people for it. But um, it's not a period of time that I look back on fondly. It's definitely sure. kind of a, a situation where I'm like, well, well, man, I was just kind of an I was like in my own head about it. I think it is like nice, though, in a little bit more positive sense to have songs or other pieces of media or uh, memorabilia or whatever photos that remind you of the growth that you've gone through that it's like something that you may have related to back then and getting to see it kind of from the other side now where it's like oh I've gotten Mm -hmm. past this but I can sympathize with where I was and I see where I was and I may not be happy with where I was then but I'm really glad where I am now and I wouldn't be where I am now if that wasn't to happen. And all we can hope for is just to be a little bit better every day. That's the goal. That's the goal. So getting to see that. For sure. Because I don't, it would be, you know, obviously the song is not responsible for changing who I am. and for my, <laughs> Sure, you know, we're not going to credit that. a better person. <laughs> but like it is, it is nice to have something, like you were saying, that embodies that growth. Like without, you know, if their song didn't exist, I wouldn't have the same kind of gut punching reaction to who I used to be and who I was and how I approached, you know, certain people in certain situations. And it would just be so easy to be like, you know, yeah, I've changed a little bit, but, you know, I, you know, I was never that bad. Like, it is good to remember right. that it used to be really bad. <laughs> you used to be really immature. Well, I think it's definitely good to hold yourself accountable um, as long as you're not. Like as long as it's the same thing as like we talked about earlier with the whole sadness thing where it's like if you don't go over the edge and are like completely self-criticizing and blaming yourself, but really like being critical of yourself and constantly evaluating or holding yourself accountable, I think is really important and having pieces of media that represent that. I think in moments like this too, what you're talking about where you're coming to a realization of ways that you might not have been, and I use you as sort of the collective you. Right, yeah. As not uh, all that healthy or, or uh, a toxic trait or something that you were not all that proud of, a mistake that you may have made. It's hard to come to that realization like late, like later than you may have interacted with the person because then you can't really apologize and hold yourself accountable to that person. It would be kind of inappropriate to do so. 
and it's it's difficult. I think it's obviously necessary to grow past it and and hold yourself accountable for it. But it's difficult when you can't apologize to somebody, whether or not they accept your apology. But being like, if I went to this person, like you'd be like, hey, where the f- have you been for two three years? I'm right. also very much past this. What are you talking <laughs> about? That I think that's really hard overall. But being able to really find that in in yourself and hold yourself accountable so that hopefully next time um, you can recognize it earlier and be able to apologize to somebody in a much more holistic sense. I would see that as a good thing because then you can actually recognize those signs a little bit earlier um, if you've already Mm -hmm. gone through that. And it's a a tight line that I've (laughs) definitely walked several (laughs) times of being retrospective and understanding where you went wrong how things could have been better, but also not victimizing yourself to the point where you see yourself as being harder done or worse off than the other person. Right. Which is definitely not a positive uh, direction to go. Definitely about as toxic as it can get. If you go that far. Oh, totally. And then, and then at that point, you're not even really being self-critical. No. And so it's like, it's good to recognize like, Hey, my reaction to this back then was solely because of this, whether it be a mistake or miseducation or just a, a chain of events or whatnot. Um, of course I came at it from this angle. Like that's just kind of my natural response or whatnot. But that only is effective so far in saying just because it seemed like that was the the way to go or that was the natural response of where I was then it's not a healthy response. I need to reevaluate that. Mm-hmm. So it's only effective in saying like, here's why I did this thing. If you can actually make an impact on where you are now for, for the positive. Right. Yeah. Cause the important part about all of it, like there's no point to being retrospective and to, and to point the blame and to be like, Oh, you know, was, you know, I didn't do, I didn't do the right thing back then. It's only if you can take something away from it and learn from it but if all you do is just point it out for the sake of pointing it out yeah <laughs> you're not you're, you're defeating the purpose of pointing it out in the first place in a sense it's like an empty apology to yourself because it's like if you apologize totally. to somebody yep. saying hey i did this thing and it was wrong but you keep doing it it's like hold on that's not an apology exactly. <laughs> um, yep. so if you do that to yourself and you're like damn that sucked i'm sorry that i did that in an internal sense but then you keep doing it it's like, hold on, you can't be critical mm-hmm. and not change anything. <laughs> it was like one of our friends uh, tweeted something recently on Twitter. It was like, apologizing without changing is just manipulation. Yeah. And that's really what it is. Like if you're, you know, if you're taking the time to, you know, reflect and and hopefully understand where you were at and how you can do better, um, but you're not changing anything. You're only like manipulating your sense of, self essentially you know yeah you're thinking to yourself oh well i looked back on it so i'm better but if you haven't actively done anything to change you've not improved at all all you've done is just essentially you're worse off because you've seen the things you've done and you've changed nothing about it even though oh yeah there are things that should be changed so it's a it's interesting and it's a careful line between understanding your own faults you know understanding that not only did you make mistakes in the past but that you know at the end of the day, everyone makes mistakes and you cannot like just victimize yourself because of it. Like 
they're as awful as they may have been they are opportunities to just improve yourself yeah i think it i'm of the opinion that i think it's worse (laughs) if you're self-aware of it like there's somebody we went to high (laughs) school with who i think said it when we were at lunch or something and he was like yeah i'm an asshole but at least i know i'm an asshole and i'm like that's not better that's (laughs) way worse or there's like a there's a bo burnham quote that he says where it's like self-awareness will save you nothing Mm -hmm. like self-awareness i think is good and it's a necessary step to changing but it won't save you it's not going to save you anything um, right, self-awareness if in and of itself is not enough. If you're self-aware, it's completely unhelpful if you don't do anything about it. Exactly. But yeah, everyone makes mistakes. And everybody has those days. Yeah, it's hard being a it's hard being a person. You know, it's hard <laughs> being a straight white man who has a podcast. It's hard, <laughs> it's hard being a straight white cisgender man in the <laughs> upper middle class. On that note, <laughs> again, a good thing to be self-aware of. But we got we to gotta use our privilege to, to help everybody else. And hopefully, I, I know this is a kind of a difficult um, thing to be talking about, particularly in, in somewhat of a public sense, but hopefully that this like outlet, even listening to it, if anybody listens to this whole thing, <laughs> is helpful if there's anything that like comes out of it. Also, I have a strong feeling that everyone who listens to this knows us personally. So if you mm-hmm. are going, going through a tough time, I... My line's always open. I assume that you would have my number. We're always there. We're always available. Talking through things um, is is very important to like really. We're not your therapist. But we will listen to you as friends. <laughs> We're not professionals. <laughs> we are not professionals. Please go to therapy. It's important for everybody. <laughs> All right. With that, um, I think that was a very good, very effective, sad episode. Yeah, I think it was well managed. But what does next week look like? So we're rebounding because in terms of where we're at, on the road trip, we just finished hour 11. Mm-hmm. We're heading into hour 12. Hour 13 is when we arrive at a halfway point, like at the hotel. Right. And because we just kind of hit this downer period, now like everyone in the car is kind of like, ooh, we got to rebound a little bit. Sure, like, We sure. can't go into the night like this. Can't so go now we're like getting that. into, exactly. We're trying to get into like the more uplifting. So we're going into, We've already kind of done like happy and like upbeat segments, mm-hmm. but I just want to fully commit because I've been wanting to do this for a while now because at least on my end, we were talking about kind of like sadder love songs. Now I want to do upbeat, poppier love songs. Cool. Okay. I'm excited about that. Optimistic love songs. So this is the point in the road trip where we all start talking about our crushes in a positive way. We're not like sad <laughs> about it. Love exists. Love is real. <laughs> so yeah, upbeat. It doesn't have to be like a, in fact, I'd actually probably prefer it if it wasn't like a pop sensation love song. Right. But just kind of like a down to earth, just kind of like unapologetically a love song. That's the topic for next week. Awesome. I'm very excited. But this was a very good week. I'm very happy with this. I'm glad. I'm happy that you shared all those things. I love you. I'm glad that we could talk yeah, about man. this. Bro, I'm glad we're at a point where we can share these things with each other. I love you too. To the public as well. <laughs> <laughs> and to all, everyone listening at home we actually hate each other we do not talk about any of this is an act actually he paid me on fiverr uh, was like, this is fully scripted fiverr <laughs> <laughs> this is five dollars completely scripted I, i'm getting paid five bucks an episode to uh just say some to record and that. edit <laughs> and edit yeah <laughs> cool all right all right, yeah. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Hope you enjoyed this. What episode. was what was Sophia's send off? Like, make sure to like, subscribe. Oh, make sure to like um, and subscribe. Um, comment, new leave a comment. Every week. Hit that bell notification so you always get notified of our of our next upload. But uh, we'll see you next Monday.